I want to get matching tattoos that are like little pennants, you know, like old school sports pennants. And it just says WKWD on our butts. Well, it would be a badge of honor to tattoo you both. There's a lot to life and we're figuring it out because who knows? We don't. I'm Jack. And I'm Jonah. And this is the podcast of our crusade to be at least mediocre at everything. So today we're going to be chatting with Rio. Rio is a very talented tattoo artist and talented at so many things. And I've known Rio since seventh grade. Admittedly, she was my seventh grade crush. Remember this, Rio. And um, we're just so thankful and excited to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm really happy to be here. Of course, of course. I'm super excited about this topic because... I, I have tattoos and I, I love the tattooing industry and it's just, it's cool talking to an artist. Awesome. Well, thanks for choosing me to be one of your first uh, <laughs> tattoo artists to speak to. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess uh, the first thing we, you know, we want to know is a, a little bit about yourself and, you know, the, the tattoo your tattooing career. My name's Rio Chanel. I uh, am an artist. I'm in Portland, Oregon right now, but I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I moved here as fast as I could <laughs> to get to get somewhere else and uh, just kind of be in a more um, artist supportive community, at least at that time. I know that Phoenix has come a long way. And I think what found me here was just sort of the unique artistic side of Portland that it offers. Like you show up here and you're like, wow, there's houses that are purple and pink and not just beige. So that was like a big attraction to me, um, finding my way here. And I went through some different things before I found myself in tattooing, but ultimately I always knew I wanted to be self-employed and work for myself and kind of just have that freedom and autonomy within my workspace. Because I mean, I think we all know working for the man sucks. So Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely went into tattooing just because I got done with my like marketing associates and decided that it wasn't really for me and that I wanted something a little more off the normal work line. And um, I wanted to do something where I can make art and actually make a living because, you know, we all know the term starving artist and that didn't really sound super appealing. So uh, I went for something that I knew would be somewhat lucrative. Yeah. And tattooing is it. How long have you been tattooing? I've been at it for about five years now. Dang. I have one of Rio's last apprenticeship tattoos. Yeah, that's right. It was like number, I think, 48 and 49 was you and Chloe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just part of the the deal is 50 finished tattoos. Mm. Do any of those count if you do them on yourself? Yes. Oh. Nice. Okay. You were saying like you wanted to be self-employed. And so did you start out as, as a self-employed artist or how long have you been? So technically, uh, 
the way that the the system usually works in the community is that you are an artist at a shop and you make a commission rate. But because of the nature of um, the places that I've worked at and kind of the busy schedule that I hold in general, um, I've always been able to kind of pick my hours. But um, as opposed to being uh, specific to be there at a certain time and pay your rent, um, it does give you a little bit of flexibility because you might say like, okay, like I've, I've done my like two tattoos for the day and, and I'm done and now I'm going to head out. Um, and that's kind of more of a now time thing. And, or if you're working at a shop that is appointment based versus more of a walk-in shop where you kind of have some expectation to to be there and be around. And that's like, again, pre-COVID when we're doing more walk-in type stuff. But um, at this point, we, at my shop is appointment-based only. So if I don't have a client, I'm not at the shop. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. That's that's cool that there's like, you can make your own hours and, and not employee, but like be the worker that you want to be. Yeah. And like the, the other aspect of being self-employed is that the client pays me the money and then I pay the shop, the commission. So it doesn't go to the shop, but there might be other shop situations where it does work that way, where the money gets paid to the shop and then the shop pays the um, tattooer out like more of an employee style where it's more like I'm a private contractor. And then I give uh, my shop a 1099 for the money I paid them for the year. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've always wondered that. Like I've always wondered like, okay, are these tattoo or like, are they employees or um, that makes sense that, you know, the way that you do it. And and I can imagine that a lot of places are kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, I will say that the shop I work at supplies so many um, awesome supplies that I know a lot of other studios may not necessarily provide. So um, the 60-40 aspect that I pay uh, with my shop, which is really a traditional rate in the industry, um, I think is a very fair um, price, especially knowing like the cost of um, overhead and rent in large buildings in inner Portland is just like astronomical. So mm. not that that's my business. <laughs> <laughs> that's another topic. That's another episode. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been drawing and doing art? Um, I guess probably I've always been pretty artistically inclined since I was a child. When I was younger, I did a lot more like, multimedia type art stuff. So I never really specialized in any particular form of art. And that's sort of been almost one of the blessing and curse sides of my journey through the art world is that I've enjoyed experimenting with all the different mediums and doing different stuff, doing printmaking. Um, I'm not much of a painter, but um, I have tried (laughs) my hand at it a little bit here and there. I've done some really nice pet portraits for friends and stuff. Yeah. I mean, art just takes a lot of time too. People don't really think about that. And um, the, what tattoo asks as a medium is just like really fast paced, like ability to come up with stuff pretty quickly. 
I feel like because you're able to sort of have control over if you're working for yourself and you're doing appointments, you have the ability to kind of extend out when you'll actually tattoo somebody, right? So that way you can put enough time into like their actual drawing. Drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny because I think that the the perception from the client end is that we book you and we're already thinking about your design, you know, like, okay, you're on the radar essentially, but because there is still like, say you're Z and there's still X and Y to happen before that, like we're still thinking about what's X and Y, like creating for X and Y before we can think about creating for Z. So People usually want to see designs in advance. And and I think that it's pretty like kind of 50-50 with artists where, you know, you might have some artists that say, I won't even, don't ask me for a design in advance. You'll see it when you come the day of. And part of that is just um, this aspect of trust that happens within the field. And the other thing is too, is like, I mean, maybe this is just me and hopefully I think I hope I could speak for other tattooers that if the client was unhappy, you would you would start either try to fix it on the spot if you have the time or you just forego the money because it's not right and it's not what the client wants. So you would you would start over and something like that. And that would not be um, against the client. Like Mm -hmm. you can't say, you can't see the drawing until the day of, and then you don't like it, but you have to get it. And I think a lot (laughs) of people end up with tattoos that they really don't like because they feel pressured to say yes when they show up and they haven't had time to think about it. And so then you get the secondary aspect, which happens where they really want to see it in advance and when I'm still drawing X and Y before I can get to Z, it's just a, um, it's all about like managing client expectations and just letting them know what they can expect. And for me, I will usually say, I will send you something the night before mm-hmm. because it gives you time to look at it and to, to see it. So you don't have to just come in and decide on the fly if that's if you're if you're willing to do that because some people need more um, time to decide about stuff than others some people are really like on the fly no problem and other people just want to know they want to be more prepared you know and I think that that's fine it's just to each their own but there is you know there is this aspect of like I don't always spend two or three weeks drawing for something even though we booked it a month ago yeah that's pretty common in the industry is that tattooers are like it's not that we're waiting till the last minute it's that like we're constantly exercising our creative minds to come up with the best concept art possible for the client and please the client while also like maintaining our own integrity around like what is comfortable for us as a, a design or a tattoo. <laughs> is Juniper okay? She's just driving me crazy. You get in your bed. <laughs> get in your bed. Stay. She's like, please pay attention. Yeah, she she thinks we're playing right now. So I'm like Aww. she's so cute. So the tattoos that you've that you've done for me have been very specific. And so I think you showed me them just a little bit more in advance. But yeah, it was it wasn't, you know, too 
it was only a few days, I think, before the actual appointment, but that was more than enough time for me. Mm-hmm. I loved everything immediately. So I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and that's kind of the best part about when um, when I have a really awesome connection with a client, somebody who is seeking me out and is wanting me to do the tattoo because they see my portfolio, they see what I'm doing and they're like, oh, I like that. Or this matches the vision I have in mind. I think this person might be able to achieve the concept or like pull this vision out of my brain and make it a reality, which is basically what we're doing when we're doing um, custom concept work like that. Yeah, definitely having a connection is is helpful. When a client is working with me that knows that they are already ready to trust me, knowing that the skills I produce and show like readily for them to decide if I'm an artist to work with them, like what people are thinking about that and they're really like honed in on, okay, I like this artist's work and I want to work with them instead of just like, you're a tattooer, you can do this, right? it becomes a much more um, cohesive experience, both for the the client and for the artist, because I'm not trying to create something out of my own like skill set. I'm always down for a challenge, but sometimes people are wanting something that is just like way outside of the techniques and styles that I do. And I have to sort of like help them understand that the, the um, example maybe that they're showing me of this particular technique is like really outside of anything that I do and that if they want to work with me then they have to understand that I will be approaching it from this angle and not necessarily this angle because you know I I also have my own opinions around like what uh, techniques are good to hold up over time and stuff and I think tattoos as a medium has gotten pretty expansive. And I think in a lot of amazing ways that it's been pushed beyond the traditional aspect, but it also has been pushed beyond it's like what the medium itself actually needs since, you know, we're not talking about a piece of canvas or a paper that can be put behind a piece of glass and preserved over time. It's on living skin. And that's something to really keep in uh, account. Yeah, that's a really good point. That is such a good point. And I see everybody I know has tattoos and I see and I follow a lot of tattoo accounts and I'll even see tattoos that that people are posting on their Instagram. And I'm like, I just don't know if this is going to really hold up like without having to be touched up constantly, which is fine. But yeah, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if that was the best course of action. But then again, I'm not a tattooer, so (laughs) I have no idea. Well, and that's why they have this, the traditional statement, bold will hold, because it it stands the test of time when you're using really like simple techniques and solid color and doing it that way. Like uh, when you think of a traditional tattoo, there is a reason that it's um, formulated that way, because not only is it an efficient tattoo to create, um, like I spend a lot, a lot more time doing the more detail-y stuff that I do. And it's like, you know, when you think about what will it look like in 10 years or 20 years, what is really going to stand the test of time is kind of where, where I like to find a good balance because so much of these, like we call them like Pinterest tattoos sometimes, because like 
you see a lot of stuff and it's fresh, but like, what does it look like healed? You know, what does it look like in 10 years, five years, three years, you know, like some of those really fine line minimalist tattoos that are really popular, like they have their time and space. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of people just are like, oh, it's just a tattoo, but maybe they won't be saying that when they're like 70, 80 and they've got like these things that just don't like hold up well, you know, like it's totally different if you have something like squidgy and off-putting versus like a very well-aged dragon up the side of your leg, you know, like I'm just imagining the the different aging process. And because it's been such a stunted industry based off of the like stigmas around like what it means to be tattooed that there are some like folks that are older in age that can be an amazing representation of what skillful, beautifully aged tattoos can look like. But it's still up and coming to see a whole sea of generation of people that will be to some degree covered or not covered in tattoo. And I mean, the body is a, a vessel and it's got a lot, like, it's like you only get one set of teeth, right? Like mm-hmm. you can still get tattoos removed and you can get dentures or whatever you want to preserve the look. Yeah. But for me, it's like, how do you age gracefully? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and, and you're right. You know, like the body is kind of, it's like this canvas, but it's a canvas that ages and it's not just, you know, it, it can wrinkle you know what happens to it if it gets wet i don't know it's it's (laughs) (laughs) like a canvas if you don't take care of it it could look bad and and yeah that's what i'm saying it's not something that you're able to preserve behind like special tinted glassware that's made to preserve a painting for a hundred years versus just putting some cheap paint window glass in and having it fade in five years Uh, and that's really like synonymous to like people not really taking care of their tattoos right like Mm -hmm. you spend a lot of time in the sun and you don't put any sunscreen on it it is going to be like that cheap window in front of your painting Mm. that doesn't really do anything besides be a clear sheet of glass in front Mm -hmm. of it, you know, versus something that's like a treated protective gear, like, um, you know, regularly taking care of your tattoos. And like, even on the aspect of getting things touched up, it's like what you could expect from a tattooer maybe is like, you know, a free touch up if something didn't heal right. But it's not like, oh, I've had this tattoo for five years and now I'm due for my free touch up. <laughs> like it doesn't really work like that because by five years down the line, the the skin has changed, like has settled and um, you put fresh line work on that. It's not, um, not to say that they can't be touched up, but it's just like, it's almost like redoing it. It's mm-hmm. not just a touch up at that point. So taking care of tattoos is really important because then you can avoid that whole process. Yeah. Yeah. You're inspiring me to wear a little bit more SPF. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh Oh, it's a perfect analogy though. Well, I mean, and the SPF is something you could do daily, but at the very minimum, like when you're out doing those really sunny outdoor activities and in Arizona, that's like anything outdoors, basically going to the store, going to the grocery store. Yeah. I mean, 
here we can get away with a little more cloud coverage and shade and like, okay, I make sure I wear it when I go to the river in the summer. Like that's my minimal. So don't get me wrong. It's not like tattooers are really doing that much better than clients at taking <laughs> care of our tattoos, but um, we still want to promote it and hope that like people, you know, do the best they can to create the longevity. Cause it's for you, it's your body and you're going to wear it forever. So it's kind of up to you to, what you do to take care of it once you leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. And you're paying for it. Like, why wouldn't you? And it's on your body. I just don't understand, like, why you want to want to take care of that. Yeah, it's an investment. And I think because of the nature of it being like, oh, it's cool or whatever, to some degree, it's um, like people just see it like putting a bumper sticker on their car. And it's like, mm. well, <laughs> <laughs> that can be kind of tacky if you're yeah. not careful, you know? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know that that metaphor really works, but <laughs> no, I think it, I think it actually does. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So you've been tattooing for, you know, five years. I, I don't really understand the process of becoming a tattoo artist. I know that you did an apprenticeship and then you said you did 50 tattoos, finished tattoos. But do you have to take a state test and stuff? I heard that. So I don't really know. Oregon is uh, pretty special in that regard, unfortunately, or fortunately. I guess it really depends on what way you want to look at it. I think that it's a method of the state trying to get their hands into putting rules and regulations around something that honestly should have some um, like check-in stuff. You were dealing with bloodborne pathogens and um, artists are required to be uh, first aid and CPR certified on a regular basis. So there's nothing wrong with it being slightly regulated or having to apply through the state for a license. It's really similar to, they've set it up to be similar to how hair school is where you go and you have to do a certain amount of hours before you can get your license. And in Oregon, it's, I think it's 210 hours of theory and 50 finished tattoos, or at least it was when I was in school, which 50 tattoos is like not that many tattoos. And the problem with the schools are they're honestly not really that educational. They're kind of just like a money scam is Mm. like, Mm-hmm. And they're just like turning and burning artists out into the world. Like, okay, cool. You finish 50 tattoos, fly free little birdie. And then, then you have all these artists that are getting licensed and they are not really at a level of being able to perform to a shop standard. What's ended up happening is you've got a lot of like really old school prestigious shops that have their kind of like more honed artists that have been in the industry for a really long time. And they are not necessarily a place that you can't end up at, but I've seen a lot of uh, artists that have come through in the last few years, they end up just starting their own spaces because there's not really room for them at an existing shop or there's some sort of like, stigma against the way that the old school old schooler tattooers had to learn and go through the grief and the guff of like 
basically being a shop bitch is like kind of the mm-hmm. just that I understand of what an old school apprenticeship would mean. So for me, it was sort of like, did the school and even though it was like a little bit of money that wasn't really worth the payoff, it allowed me to be licensed to get to a place where I could then find a shop that was willing to actually apprentice me. So after I went through school, I did have an apprenticeship for about a year with a really long time tattooer and then was able to like step away and find a little bit more of a new home space with some other tattooers as well. So it's kind of a process, but everyone kind of comes out of it at their own volition, I guess. And it's just weird and different here because in pretty much any other state to get into tattooing, you essentially have to like go through a pretty grueling, it seems like, and very um, patriarchal, patronizing mm. uh, type of apprenticeship where... I think to some, there is some aspects of it that are so important that they're not, that you don't get out of the school. There's so much information. There's so many really like ancient wisdom types of tricks and tips and things that you can learn from somebody who's been in the industry for a really long time. But unfortunately, there's just like this really um, gatekeeper mentality that comes with the traditional apprenticeship technique. So that's why I say that the Oregon way is kind of a blessing and a curse, because as a woman, it's allowed me to get into the industry without like I, I got to bypass that whole initial patriarchal system checkpoint thing that is really difficult for anyone who's not like a cishet male to pass through. Mm, Um, And, and I don't think that all tattooers are still on that tip. There's so many that are really like have come through the old school way that are like, they're not judgmental and against anyone new coming into the industry. I think the problem is, is just that the school basically does that turn and burn thing and then there's nowhere for them to go. It creates the traditional capitalist competition that um, we see that isn't really real. Yeah. Dang, I did not know any of this. I'll tell you that. I know. My mind is blown right now. I mean, mean, (laughs) it it makes sense though. Like it makes sense like why... I feel like traditionally we've seen more men in the industry and Mm -hmm. it sounds like that's just because of the product of the system and the schooling of how to get into tattooing in any other place besides Oregon. Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. But you know, what's so funny is that the guy that I was like, Oh, like this nice tattooer that I had a really pleasant experience. I was like, went to go have a chat with him and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting, into tat like or I think I'm thinking about getting licensed it is what I said and he said for what <laughs> <laughs> to kill and I was like for tattooing and he was like oh well you should probably just move somewhere else and I was like cool all right <laughs> thanks so much for your support you're an asshole <laughs> Dang. <laughs> oh, I mean God. if I'm being real about it and like 
it's fine because I'm also just over here being like, sure showed you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I like, know. it's fine. It's just, um, it is definitely like a weight that is up against anyone who's not that identified person. Like, I imagine that anyone else in any other minority group, POC, LGBTQ, like, any other minority group that's not a cishet male, mm-hmm. probably cishet white male too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why you're seeing people like Oliver Peck get picked off because they've had their time and space and people are like, we are fucking done with that days. Like, mm. so I think it's really a beautiful thing. And even though it's really messy and the school system doesn't really provide the education that the students need, there's actually a really great thing happening here where we've got a coalition of tattooers that have formed, it's called Reform Oregon Tattooing. And they are basically a board of tattooers that are committed to helping the state of Oregon to correct the the discrepancy within the system so that it is actually a functioning process that will work for what it's intended to do instead of just dumping tattooers out into the state and being like, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's impressive though. That's awesome that that's happening and so needed because yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't know that you you even went to a school. I thought you just went and got like, you walk into a shop and you say, I want to learn tattooing. Let me apprentice you. Yeah. And, yeah. I thought that same thing. Yeah. I mean, and like, as um, when you look at like an old school way of doing it, it's kind of how it is. And basically what you do is you would end up being like the shop assistant for a while mm-hmm. and learning thing, like learning the ropes slowly that way in a way that is actually really beneficial. And that's, so that's why I say like, there isn't a total mess in the traditional way of being apprentice. It's just really unfortunate that, a lot of people are willing to be treated really poorly to get into tattooing to go through the process because it is really like, yeah, like a little bit of being whipped, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> being, you're basically someone's assistant. Um, it's just like, because of the, the grittiness of the, of the industry, you can, you know, mm-hmm. Who are you assisting and what are you really having to do? Yeah. You're Anne Hathaway in the, what is it? Yeah. Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada. One of the best <laughs> movies ever made. Yes. <laughs> we should make all the cishet male tattooers watch that. Yeah. 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 Treat your Anne like Hathaway's better people. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, well, yeah, that's great. I had no idea that you guys went through a school and, and. It makes sense. I mean, of course it makes sense. And then you get licensed and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, the school, like there's a few different schools. And so I think they're all operating at a different pace, I'm sure. But mine was like not very organized. They're Mm. basically like do 210 study, self-study hours that can be here or outside of here. And I just really put in as much energy as I could into like, uh, like one of the first things I did was like watching um, this YouTube video I found on like 
helping people understand tattooing on darker skin tones, stuff like that. So there was a lot of things that I got to learn, but as far as like the technical aspects of tattooing, essentially there's just supposed to be someone supervising you, but that basically just meant that you were like doing it over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there was someone close by if you had a question is basically how that went. So it wasn't really like, a lot of hands-on like apprenticing until I was out of that space and actually in a shop where I was having a real apprenticeship. Yeah. That that reminds me so much of the social work grad program I was in. It was more like the schooling was theory and learning about the interventions. And then they were like, okay, but in your internship, you'll just be doing it. So it was like the schooling was cool because I like learned about it, but didn't get any technical or any skills until I was just thrown into it. You know yeah. what I mean? And that can be really like nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what type of tattooing you do and what style of tattoos you do? Oh, yeah. Um, I kind of I've never really limited myself to a specific style. um, And that's partially due to some like harsh criticism I internalized in my apprenticeship where I didn't want to be a one trick pony. And I would say to a degree, it's helped me widen my clientele base because I have such a variety of skills. I mainly do a lot of botanical stuff, botanicals, bugs, animals, like birds and stuff like that. Those are kind of my happy place just because essentially I get to connect with nature while I'm working, even though I'm not outside. It's like a different way of mm, re-envisioning it. I tend to work in a style that is more illustrative, like kind of like old botanical illustration style versus like realism or the painterly aspect is not really my my thing. But I also lately have been enjoying some color stuff and doing botanicals that way. So it's just been really interesting being able to like utilize and change my skills to do different stuff because not only do I do the body tattoos I'm doing cosmetic tattooing as well so when it comes to that aspect of my uh, line of work I I tend to lean into the tattooing aspect versus the microblading aspect because um, it's just my comfort zone Mm -hmm. because I already do that with body stuff but lots of like dot work and I get a lot of requests for like geometry, which is like make you move a collar and sweat a little bit (laughs) to put on the body, but usually looks pretty darn good. So, I mean, I I just keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I, uh, I really, my, my biggest thing is working with making sure there's longevity in the piece for the client as much as possible. And creating work on the client's body that is um, suited to fit the flow of the body that really Mm -hmm. is like makes it complementary instead of working against the shapes of the body. So as long as it checks those boxes for me, I'm uh, 
pretty happy camper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a, like a medium or a style that you want to learn or perfect a little bit more that you feel like, oh, I'm a little bit nervous, but that you want to really get into? More large scale stuff. I think mm. I've been kind of inching that way for myself because I, I do like working large scale. I would say more than working towards an aspect that I want to perfect, it would actually probably be working towards uh, my limiting beliefs that say I need to work faster and create in a shorter period of time when I really should just, you know, it just takes as long as it takes. So when it's a large, large back piece, it sort of takes the pressure off of it because the expectation is already that there's going to be multiple appointments and stuff. And yeah, I mean, I feel like I've already really tried a lot of different things and I don't really have any desire to perfect realism. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like I have no problem saying I don't do portraits. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I think that's a good boundary to have too, knowing like, a, I don't want to do that because it doesn't make me happy. And B, like I'm not, like you're not gonna get exactly what you want because that's just not my skill well, set. Like you were saying, yeah, like my eye isn't trained to do portraits. I've done portraits in other like uh, more forgivable mediums, mm-hmm. but um, tattoo is not a really forgivable medium. So unless you have that really like honed eye set that can help you to almost do the like box by box trick where you're kind of slowly building up based off of each little section. Um, I like kind of like to work bigger and then, you know, Mm. come in. So it's just different stuff. And, and it's so interesting because with the techniques, it's like, it, it really is like a, in a painterly artistic aspect of there's just so many different tools, so many different machines, so many, different ways that the machines work that provide different textures and um, machines that are good for small line weights and big line weights. And it's like, you can, you can almost create the same thing in many different ways, kind Mm. of a, a thought. So when you look at it from that aspect, you realize that like, it's pretty endless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what you what you can create I really a big aspect of what I enjoy the most out of tattooing or just a cosmetic tattooing in general is uh just helping people feel better about themselves and one of the really big ones is uh self-harm scar cover-up that's been a really um rewarding and growthful uh aspect of my career because it uh it doesn't take me any more any less to tattoo over scars but it means so much to the client and that alone means so much to me you know like Mm -hmm. just to be able to touch someone's life that way and I don't mean that in like an ego way where I'm like Mm -hmm. oh thankful for me for touching your life I'm just like wow, like this really makes such a difference for people. They 
are ready to move on from this like pain and hurt in their life. And I think that's true too, with not just like self-harm, but like grief. Someone maybe wants to do like a tribute piece for a family member or a loved one they lost. And just like putting that little reminder and like giving people this like token of empowerment where they get to feel the like the lovingness within themselves for the gratification of this outward expression is like to me that's like so it's just like a privately rewarding experience even though I don't even always get to see the full effect of it Um, but I get I do get emails like all the time just clients saying how much it's changed their life and it's just like if I could do that with every client I would be so happy yeah yeah and and for them to like trust you to it's huge yeah it's so big like every every client that walks in the door and especially the women who are coming to see me to get their eyebrows done They've never met me a lot of times and they show up and I'm going to tattoo their face like that's huge trust. And I think I just try to put my energy into helping them feel like extremely comfortable with me as a person and just be really warm and inviting and friendly and offer like a safe space ultimately for for the client to feel relaxed enough to like go through. I think everyone gets a little bit of level of anxiousness and that's super normal. Even I still get anxious before I get tattooed Mm -hmm. and I've been in the chair a lot. So it's like, it's just more like the anticipation of the pain, I think usually more than anything. And especially if they're new to tattooing or they're not, they don't, you know, what it's on your face, if it's on your face or whatever, if it's, even if it's just somebody getting their first tattoo on their body, it's like, I'm pretty, um, I actually like love some first timers. I like, <laughs> I love, I love the um, maternal aspect that I get to step into <laughs> to like kind of provide that really warm space. That's like, okay, like this is what we're doing really like explaining everything for them so that they feel safe and comfortable. And I mean, it's pretty much all you can do. And mm-hmm. except for, you know, I check in on them throughout the service and make sure they're doing good. Yeah. That's- and that's so, that's so nice because I know when I went and got my first tattoo, it was like very, I don't even know who it is. I don't even remember where I went and it was my first tattoo and I was like freaking out. And the guy was just like, all right, let's do it. There was no connection. And so I think if you do a good job of introducing somebody to tattooing, that will just keep them wanting to continue with tattooing. If, if it's like a affirming situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense to me. It's like the grumpy bartender, you know, you're like, <laughs> what? Something doesn't fit here. And you know what it really is too, is that people have to remember is that it's like not you, the client, it's like their own shit. Like that's what we as a, as a human need to remember about other humans, but you want a nice experience. Like my first tattoo experience is totally horrendous and I would never want anyone to experience it that way. So any, 
amount of just like warm welcoming is oh you're nervous oh you got nothing to be nervous about like you just gotta like really be real with people and they love that when you're like act like like I hate that the people who think that like tattoos shouldn't hurt don't cry like I mean it's not super fun to tattoo someone who's moaning every (laughs) three seconds like it's it's pretty uncomfortable to be honest but if that's what you got to do I guess that's what you got to do but yeah it's like tattoos fucking hurt yeah yeah like why do we have to be cool and pretend that they're not like a a moment of temporary pain like walk walk the client through it and let them know it'll be over soon you know you don't just be like oh okay you're uncomfortable (laughs) like it's like it's so weird to me that people operate that way i'm too empathic though i think i mean last oh go on i was gonna say because i mean i feel like sometimes i've gone in to get a tattoo and i feel stupid like i feel like i like my tattoo idea or what i want to get is like i'm being judged by the tattoo artist because it's a dumb idea or it's a dumb tattoo or whatever it is so like i'm glad that you say like yeah, you know, be empathic and and you know, be welcoming and all that kind of stuff. But what would you say to the to the other side, you know, like to a client that's coming in and they're feeling intimidated, they're feeling like I felt. What would you say to this this client coming in? If you're coming into my shop, I work with a crew of really awesome people who are all honestly a bunch of nerds. Like we're all a bunch of goofballs. And I talk often about how people are really intimidated by tattooers because I just think like, you don't even know, like, what do you, how are you assume that we like all have our shit together? Cause we are like in this space where we have a cool job. Like we're all just people too. And like, you know, you might get that too cool for school vibe with that one tattooer that you didn't plan ahead uh, or you just like their stuff and maybe they're just a quiet guy and you don't really, there's just all different kinds of people out there. But for me, I'm like, you have nothing to be intimidated about. I'm probably going to trip over my ring light in about five minutes here (laughs) and spill ink on myself. And that's not to say that I'm a mess, but... (laughs) Like we're all just people and you have no, nothing to be intimidated by, especially if you are working with someone that you have like a nice connection with. And I mean, that's kind of something that you have to put on your pros and cons. Like sometimes I wonder, do people come back to me because they just like the experience with me and it doesn't really matter if I'm their favorite artist or not. They just know I can do it and they love spending time with me. Mm -hmm. Um, versus like maybe, you know, deciding like, oh, I really love this artist's work and I'm willing to just let them be awkward and not really talk to me for five hours. Like it just all, uh, different experiences, I guess. And what you are willing to be comfortable with. And like, I just want to encourage people who are looking to get tattoos, like to, to stay in your integrity and be comfortable with, yourself like if you walk in and you're getting a weird vibe from an artist that's being rude to you like walk the fuck out you don't owe Mm. that person anything you don't need to get art on your body by someone who's going to be rude to you and those people will find themselves not being as busy because they're not giving the experience to people it's not 
just about how good of an artist you can be. You're providing a service. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you're dealing with someone who's professional and consciously human, consciously trying to provide a, um, a nice experience, then hopefully you don't run into that too much. But, you know, if you do, there's always, you know, you always have choices yeah. to back out, walk out. At worst, maybe you lose a deposit. You know, when you look at it that way and you think, okay, do I spend a lifetime having a tattoo by someone who was a total asshole just because I liked their art or did I lose an $80 deposit? Yeah. To me, it's sort of like people can't usually think that far ahead into the future and they're under pressure. So they just kind of do the people pleasing thing and get the tattoo that they didn't really want. And then they end up going and getting it covered up. So to me, it's just like, if you just stand in your integrity and know that you are coming, you have an idea who cares if your artist is going to judge you for it, if they're going to judge you for it, then you can go somewhere else. Artists everywhere. There's no shortage of artists that are willing to do work. So to me, it's like the client is kind of in control to Mm -hmm. a degree and then when you decide that you're working with someone then you're doing a a mutual shared uh collaboration Mm -hmm. essentially where the client has the input but ultimately the artist is the deciding factor of what the art looks like but that's once you've established the trust relationship and said okay I want to work with you but I think I guess I would just encourage that people think twice about who they work with because just people go in and you're like, Oh, this is my idea. And because maybe you didn't look at that particular artist's work, like you're going to feel some weird feedback because maybe that's not what they want to do. The last tattoo I got was a, like kind of like a jokey tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I was visiting Chloe, my friend, we were in Denver and basically it was like a last minute. She called into her friend's shop, like someone she knew mm-hmm. and they were like, okay, well, what are your thoughts? So we just like gave them verbal, like, these are kind of what we want. And they were like, okay, well you can come tomorrow. And we were just kind of placed with people we did not know, but I rolled up and my tattooer, I was, I felt so intimidated. I've, I've never really felt intimidated as much as I did with this guy. Cause he was like six, four, I think just this big guy head to toe, like black suit, black shoes. Like he was dressed so nice. He was tattooed his whole face, his whole head, every inch of him was tattooed. And I felt so intimidated and I got a jokey tattoo and I was like, man, he is not going to appreciate this. He's going to think I'm dumb. I was projecting all of my assumptions. You know, I was projecting my, you know, inner thoughts onto this guy. And he turned out to be so cool, such a talented artist. And even though his whole aesthetic looked very intimidating, he was such a delight. And so I just kind of took that as a learning experience that we're judging the tattoo artist as much as we think that they're judging us, if not <laughs> way more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we need to chill as consumers and just recognize that these are all artists and probably mm-hmm. nerdy. Yeah, I think 
basically what you're saying is people need to do their damn shadow work and look at what their projections cause them yes. to make up all these stories in their head that say tattooers are intimidating because also when you look at it as a energetic aspect like if you just treat your tattooer like a human they might not be they're like god this client's being weird why is this <laughs> client being so weird right now mm-hmm so it's just like a lot of unspoken energetic judgment that people just mm-hmm. kind of like throw around and don't really understand. So I guess when you're like, when you're going to go get a tattoo on the fly, you kind of just have to know that you're going to urgent care. You're not mm-hmm. going to see your fave doctor. Like <laughs> if you want to see your fave doctor, you might have to schedule in advance, right? Like yes. and not to say that a, fl- a tattoo on the fly is urgent care. I mean, I, you know, I think that's a, a, a solid perfect metaphor. Service still, but like you don't get to see your provider. It's all just like a cost benefit analysis of <laughs> like what you're really comfortable with. So I have a lot of people that are like, I'd really rather work with you. So I'll just wait until you're available. Yep. Mm hmm. A hundred percent. It's so funny that like we judge tattoo artists because they have a lot of tattoos, yet we're going in to get tattoos. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. No. Like this dude had so many <laughs> tattoos, and I was like, wow, he very he's committed. And then I was like, I'm literally getting a tattoo from him, so I need to chill. Yeah. yeah. And he's not mean because he has tattoos. Like I thought he was gonna be mean. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm getting a tattoo. So, yeah, we need to reflect and just like really check out implicit bias and stuff as well. You know, it's so crazy. Well, I'm right. Like being intimidated just because he was covered in tattoos and like a tall man. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. This tall white dude. And I was like, he's probably a dickhead. But really, he was really, really sweet and nice and funny and smart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wonder. So, Rio, I have a question. Why is like the culture around tattoo artists like all about like death metal and a lot of their tattoos are skulls and I would say that that is probably just stems from traditional design work that was made by some of the originals and and as a homage to the originals many tattooers sort of put their own twist on recreating these same concepts. But, you know, I think that that is a really limited perspective to think that that's like all that tattoo is because there is so much out there. That's a good reminder that that's just a stigma. And that's like part of the stigma that keeps people being like, oh, tattoos are bad. Mm -hmm. When also like the concepts of good and bad are all man-made constructs anyways. So I'm wondering if like, because and obviously Rio, correct me because I probably will be wrong, but my thought is back in the day, you know, it was like sailors and I mean, this isn't like, I'm not talking about like tattooing like in different cultures. I'm talking about basically like white people. <laughs> um, what I think American of, traditional. Yeah, mm-hmm. like American traditional is Sailor like Jerry. Yes, yeah. you know, or like people who are like in war. And so maybe or like reb like people who are like, oh, we're rebels because tattoos are like taboo and not common. And so they probably leaned more towards like rebel content. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, it's just absolutely. Kind of, yeah. Maybe, I mean the the like traditional content was all about pinup girls 
and sailor content, skulls. I mean, and all that stuff just comes from like pirates, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, like when you really get down to it, it's just like the um, the motifs that were popular in underground existence. But there's still like, there's lots of, there's like butterflies and toads <laughs> mm-hmm. on mushrooms. And like, there's all kinds of like old school classics that existed that were not necessarily just like eagles and skulls. But a lot of that stuff was really more like symbolic to its own nature. Yeah. Thinking of like the eagle as a concept is like a power symbol, like strong, you know, uh, mm. fierce competitor. Right. Yeah. Like, and so when you are like, oh, let me brand myself with this, you know, with this concept, basically, it's, I think that's just really where it comes from. But from that time, things have adapted just ex- mm-hmm. exponentially. So. Well, there's definitely some fucked up uh, instances where people have been tattooed for really poor reasons, like oh, yeah, Holocaust and stuff. Like there Mm -hmm. are some, like I think I I can imagine some Jewish grandmothers out there that are really anti-tattooing, and that's also um, there's like no body modification to be buried. In I the think Jewish, in, in the, the Jewish cemetery, yeah. Yeah, that's is that correct? Yeah, that's like old school. Old school. Yeah, is like right. no tattoos. Back in the day, like in the media, when I would see tattoos, it was always on bikers and criminals. Mm. And it was always like aggressive looking things. And so maybe that's why too. That's why maybe Jack and I had that thought of like, oh, you know, the vibe is this, but that's just because that's what was messaged to us as kids when we were first learning about tattoos, when clearly we both have a lot of tattoos and none of them are skulls and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. It's it's all just like internalized cultural uh, misconceptions around tattooing as a industry, because to me, tattooing is like is just uh, a way of unique representation and like a moment in history of your story that you get to tell on your body forever and sometimes they age well and sometimes they don't both like figuratively and literally so it's um i mean it's all part of the journey right So do you think that tattooing is a heavily male-dominated career and culture, or do you feel like it's it's a rather diverse culture and career? I do think that essentially we're coming from a very male-dominated industry, but there is efforts that people understand that there needs to be space for other folks. Yeah. Yeah. To exist and safely as well, not just to be able to exist, but not survival of (laughs) people who need to be included, but actually allow them to thrive. Is there anything that, that like the community or even people who are getting tattoos can do to support the, you know, like, is it seeking out female tattooers or people of color tattooers, things like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would definitely say bonus if you can support a POC tattooer. I really am like, they're 
definitely fewer and further between. And I really hope to see more and befriend and have more colleagues in the industry, just because I do feel that pretty much like everywhere they're likely underrepresented. I don't have statistics for you, but I know that Oregon is a primarily white community. So I do feel like I wish there was a little bit more. And as not a shop owner, I'd, I'd love to figure out how to work with other POC tattooers or just to learn from them, really. There is, um, there's definitely some resources out there. And because of the awesome catalyst that was 2020, I do think that we will continue to see a lot more resources and uh, hopefully more BIPOC-led, informative uh, seminars or, you know, things like that. Um, that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing and hunting down out there. But as far as employing an artist, just really seeking out someone that you feel safe with and someone that you, you feel like you appreciate the style of art that they do just so you can really end up with a a happy tattoo. So, Mm, yeah, that's, that's so important. If you had a call to action for listeners, what would it be? Uh, I definitely think it would be to make sure that you are always advocating for yourself when you're getting tattooed. Uh, Just remember as a client, it's your money and you're paying for the service. So if you're not happy with what you're looking at, then just make sure you communicate and Um, The more you can communicate to your artist what you're looking for and be clear and use descriptive commentary, like all that stuff is really helpful. But at the end of the day, like it's it's all your choice and your body. And hopefully your tattooer wants you to be happy. I know I do. So always just be looking out for your best self and and speak up if there's something you need changed and don't feel like you are a burden to um, ask for something different when it is a permanent fixture on your body that will you'll wear with you for a long time. And not only that, but imagine how much more happy you'll be when you know that you're able to advocate for yourself and then your tattooer is there by your side to support you in your what you need and and how to make you feel the most taken care of so that you don't have to spend more money getting it covered up down the line. Let yourself be safe, feel safe and be secure when you're in such a vulnerable space. And if you don't feel comfortable, then just be like, I don't feel comfortable and go yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, you have the power. Yeah, yeah, you do. You have the power as the client. So don't be so intimidated. We're all just a bunch of freaking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rio. Thank you so much for, for that. I guess with that, one last question like, that we like to ask all of our guests on the show here. What is one thing that you don't know how to do, but want to know how to do? Mm, I would love to know how to like build an ADU. <laughs> an ADU? What is that? What yeah, is that? Le- um, like an, an excessive dwelling unit, I think is a... Like, I'd love to know how to, like, build, like, a little shed space. 
Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. A sauna. Like, get someone on here that knows how to build saunas. I want to know how to build a sauna. <laughs> uh, our guest before you it builds tiny homes. <laughs> I just want somewhere that I can build a sauna, y'all. <laughs> That's all you want. Well, we'll get you connected with Denise, who is uh, uh, our last guest, and uh, she'll talk to you about tiny building. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She'll I teach mean, you. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Rio, for for being on our on our podcast today. It was really cool hearing about being a tattoo artist and breaking a lot of stigmas. Like every episode, we're just blown away by what our guests share. So, thank you again for being on and and sharing. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Hope I did it. Did the industry justice, and I love I love being a part of it. So happy to represent. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and share with your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at who knows we don't pod. Send us a message with what topics you're interested in hearing more about. And if you want to be on the podcast, we'd love to have you on. Drop us a line. Love you, baby. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>